You are listening to a message recorded at Living Hope Church in Southwick, Massachusetts. We hope you find encouragement through God's Word today. We've been talking about uh, five gifts or must-have gifts that we need for this Christmas, and we've been talking about that. Uh, just started it last week, and last week we talked about hope and how God gives us hope, and hope does not disappoint us like the rest of the world does. But this week we're talking about love. And love is something that you can't give to others if you don't have love in your heart. It's very difficult to love someone when you don't have love in your heart. I could flip that around and say as well, it's difficult to love someone who doesn't have love in their heart. If you've ever tried to love someone through addiction or love someone uh, through Uh, anger management, or love someone through difficulty in their life. It's very difficult to love someone who doesn't have love in their heart. And so I want you to understand today that we need to know what love is to receive it and then in turn to give it. We can't give gifts that we don't have ourselves. There are no IOUs at Christmas. You can't unwrap a gift that says, next year, I'll get you something really good. And that's the note in the, in the envelope. It just wouldn't work that way. So we can only give what we have to give. And love is an important gift that we must acquire. We all understand God's love for us. One of the best known verses of Scripture is John three sixteen and 17, which says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. Now that's really important too because there has to be a moment where we, you not only know that God loves you, but that you choose to accept his love by saying, I need to be saved. And if you don't know what it means to be saved, you should. And there should be a day in which you look on and reflect upon and says, you know what, there was a day that I said to Jesus, I accept your love, and I want you to become my Savior and my Lord. Until you do that, you're not saved yet. Okay? God's not concerned about what church you go to. Membership to Living Hope, as great as it is, is not gonna, you're not going to slide that certificate across the counter when you get to heaven, and they're going to be, oh, oh, you're good. Come with us. All he can be concerned about is, does he know you or not? Not know of you, but does he know that you in your heart, that you are his child and that you have said, you are my Savior, you are my Lord. That's how we accept God's love. And if there's a time in your life where you can say, I haven't done that yet, please talk to me. I want to lead you through that. We might understand that God's love is expressed when God sent Jesus into the world, but do we really understand what his love is like? God's love is an extravagant kind of love. God's love is not a selective kind of love where, you know, he loves some people, but others he doesn't like. His love is not like our love, which is selective, that goes, we pick and choose who we love based on whether we like them, whether they... uh, are kind to us, whether they treat us well. His love doesn't go, he doesn't cherry pick who's loved and who isn't loved. God's love for the love is, God's love for the world is for the unlovely of the world. 
the people that the rest of the world has rejected. He loved us when we were unlovely. That's one of the things that should remind us and we should be very careful of as being saints of God, as being redeemed by the Lord, that you never get to a place in your life where you say, you know what, I've forgotten where I came from. I forgot that I used to be sinful. I used to be unredeemed. I used to be far from God. And that we would ever look down on someone else who doesn't know God means that we've forgotten what God's love meant to us and how far he's brought us from. Remember that he loved us when we were unlovely, sinful, and far from God. God loved the world in spite of his love not being returned to him. Think about that for a minute. He loved the world in spite of the world saying, I don't want your love. Now, most of us go, you know, when we express our love to someone and someone doesn't reciprocate the love, we pull that love back, don't we? We say, I'm not showing you love. I'm not demonstrating love to you. Or I'm not going to put myself out there to express love to you again because you don't want my love. Jesus is a stark example to that attitude because he loved and continues to love in spite of whether you accept it or not. Isn't that a wonderful thing? You should say amen and thank you, Jesus, for that. That it's not contingent upon whether you decided, like, uh, you accepted it or rejected it. His love is still present and active. And even if you rejected it 20 years ago, but today you say, I want that love, the Lord doesn't go back and say, well, 20 years ago you said no, so it's still no. His love is still available for you even now. It's available to you if you accept it and choose to receive it. God's love is an unconditional and everlasting love. And what we need is a revelation of God's love for us. We read this verse last week, and I want to read it to you again as part of our message for this week. But it was found in uh, Romans 5. And we looked at verses 1 through 8. But I want to look at verses 1 through 5, really keying in on verse uh, 5 in this particular reading. But look at it together. It says, Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we also have access by faith into this grace which we stand, and rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. And not only that, but we also glory in tribulations, in other words, difficulties, knowing that a tribulation produces perseverance, and perseverance character, and character hope, and this hope does not disappoint us. Now look at this. Because the love of God has been poured out in our hearts by the Holy Spirit who is given to us. So where does God's love come from? Where do we experience it? Where do we get a revelation of it? We get a revelation of it by the Holy Spirit. God's love, this is not so much a feeling kind of love. And if your faith is going to be wrapped up around whether or not you feel loved, you're going to have some trouble. You're going to have some problems with walking with the Lord because there's days you don't feel loved. But God's love is not a a feeling kind of love. It's more of a revelation kind of love revealed to us by the preaching of God's word and made alive to us by the Holy Spirit. So the only way that you know that God even loves you is by the preaching of the word. So there's a part of it where the word is spoken, we hear it, we receive it by faith, and then something springs up to life inside of us. That's salvation. That's the Holy Spirit at work within us. But without it, we don't have it. It's an understanding that you are loved by God. Loved by God because he created you. 
and he died and rose again to save you, and he has a plan for your life. There's so much more to this love than whether or not you feel loved by God. Because it's not a feeling kind of love, it's more than a feeling, it's a knowing kind of love. How many know that you can know that you are loved without feeling loved? When I leave the house in the morning and I come home, I'm pretty sure that I'm loved by my family. Even if I don't feel like I had a really good day. How many times have you gone through life and you've had a terrible day? And when people ask you, like, what kind of day you had, you just say, it was a day. Right? You ever say that? Like, how was your day? And just like, it was a day. It's over now, and I'm done, and I have the scars to show for it. But there's not a moment, that, even though you feel like it's been an unlovely moment, maybe you even feel like you're alone, maybe you feel like garbage, but there's never a moment where you kind of go, when I go home, I'm not sure if anyone's going to be there. I'm pretty sure, three quarters, 99.9% sure, that my wife and my kids are going to be there and my house is not going to be empty. Why? Because I know that they love me. So that knowledge transcends the feeling of the moment. You can feel like you're not very good. You can feel like you're garbage. But if there's someone that loves you, the knowledge of that love keeps you going. Sometimes the knowledge of that love that keeps you going through a downtime or a depressed time or a discouraging time. It's the knowledge that you're loved. Even if everybody else doesn't love you, you know that there's two or three people in your life that think you're okay. And that keeps you going. Like, even if everybody else at work or everybody in school hates you, you're like, I know at least three people love me. My wife, my son, my daughter, and then also my dog. So I know at least those people love me. So that helps you, keeps you going most of the time. But you know what I mean? But we sometimes treat God's love as though, like, I don't feel loved by him today, so therefore he must not. Or I feel like I'm not doing a very good job at being a Christian, being a, a, a husband, being a wife, being a mother, being a father, being a deacon, being a, a pastor or an elder. And think, because I'm not doing that, God doesn't love me today. That's not how God's love works. Thanks be to God that that's not how God's love works. Some days you can feel very unlovely. Some days you can feel very lonely. But it does not change the fact that there are people that love you, and that God loves you. Perhaps the reason why so many people have trouble with God's love is because they're constantly looking at it through the eyes of whether or not they feel loved, waiting for that feeling in order to fully accept the love that God has for us. But know that God's love isn't a feeling kind of love. The moment you choose to accept that love is the moment that love is available to you. But whether you walk in that love is entirely up to you. You've got to learn to walk in God's love. When you're loved, there's a confidence that goes along with love. When, you, when you're loved, you, you, you know that someone's with you no matter what. Husbands and wives, if, if you know that you're loved... You can face the difficulties of the day with a degree of confidence because you have that love behind you. We have to stop looking at love like, does he love me? Does he not love me? Stop looking at God as though he loves everybody, but he doesn't like you. All right? I've met Christians like that, where it's like God loves everybody, but he kind of tolerates me. That's not the love that God has for us. God's love is an extravagant unconditional kind of love. 
Let's take a look at what God's love is like. God's love is a different kind of love. It's a merciful kind of love. It's a sacrificial kind of love. It's an everlasting kind of love. It's an unconditional kind of love. It's a transformational kind of love. It's merciful in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. He loved you at your worst. And believe me, some of you have told me your stories, and some of your friends might have known you way back when. You were not great. You were a little sketchy, maybe even a little questionable. But God loved you at that point because you were his child, and he wanted to see you set free and redeemed. He loved you in a merciful sort of way. That's why he sent his son to the world. It's a sacrificial kind of love in that Jesus gave up the riches of heaven and the glories of his throne to make his love known to us. Remember, third person of the Trinity, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, seated at the right hand of the Father. He left that to be in a dirty, dusty stable. Why? So that he could bring redemption to you. He had legions upon legions of angels that would respond to his every uh, thought, his every command, and he left that behind. That there, the entirety of heaven listened to every word he said, accepted it, and obeyed it, and came to a world where people go, well, Jesus, is that what you really meant? Or questioning Jesus, or doubting Jesus, and he came into that situation. He gave up a lot to be here so that our love could be seen and that we can experience his love. It's an unconditional love in that God, because of his nature, not ours, loves us unconditionally. The word in the Greek is agape. It's not a fickle love that changes where one day God loves us and the next he doesn't. God's unchanging nature guarantees his love for us won't change. Even when you're not at your best, even when you mess up along the way. God's love is not conditional. He doesn't hold grudges. He's not petty. He doesn't simply go, well, today I love you or today I don't. He's always consistent in his love because that's in line with who he is. His unconditional love is part of his character, even if it's not part of ours. Our love is conditional. It's how we feel, how we were treated, what people said to us that day. That's the love that we kind of base everything off of but God's love is different in that it's not uh, changed by those things. It's an everlasting love because it does not diminish over time. He doesn't fall out of love with you. Aren't you glad for that? It's not like he, you know, when you first start dating somebody, you're like, I love that person, they're great. And then as you get further on, you go, ah, no. I don't know if I love them as much as I used to. You know what I mean? I'm not saying me. I'm saying you, okay? But <laughs> come on, stop. All right, stop right now because you know that's happened to you in your life. You know that you've fallen out of love with people. You know you've broken up with people. We you know you've broken hearts. I know you have, okay? It's happened, all right? So it happens to every single person. But God doesn't fall out of love with us because he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. It's an everlasting, enduring love. Faithful from one generation to the next. His love, what? Endures forever. Not his love endures temporarily. I remember being in high school, and you, sometimes you come into your classroom, and you sit at the desk, and on the desk, 
you see graffiti that the previous kid in the class wrote. And you would sometimes see, you know, John and Anne forever. Then I saw one, and it was like, Dave and Emily for now. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) That's not something you take a lot of confidence in if, if you're saying, okay, instead of forever, you're putting the word for now. But God's not like that in his love. His love is everlasting from everlasting the same. His love is a transformational kind of love. It's the difference between love and legalism. As one preacher once said, quote, legalism says God will love us if we change. But the gospel says if we love God, he will change us. God's love is the kind of love that you want to be better for. Because you understand that you don't deserve that love and you want to live up to the love that you've received. Uh, I, I've seen countless guys that when, you know, when they're, before they're married as a bachelor, they can't cook. They don't know how to wash their clothes. They don't know how to take care of their house or anything else. And then they get married, and then all of a sudden their whole world has been upheaved, and they, everything has to change. They start, all of a sudden start to learn how to do their laundry. And meanwhile, I think that there's wives doing this to their husbands as I'm speaking right now. They're like, you hear that? That's what you should be doing. But you change. You, you, you adapt to it. There's things that you do that you didn't do before for that person because you love that person. You may not even be into some of those things, like whether it be going to the musical or whether it be, you know, seafood or whether it be other things that you weren't into before. But because that person loves you, you started to expand your horizons and there's things that you do for love that you maybe didn't do for yourself. It changes us because you want to live up to the love you've received. But I will tell you this, it's up to us to uh, live in that love and maintain that kind of love. So don't take God's love for granted. Next slide on that. Don't take God's love for granted. Steward it, take care of it, and make it grow. Hear me when I say this. This is going to be like really a different thought process for you because if you've been following the Lord for a long period of time, I talk to many saints who get tired in their faith. Many saints whose fire kind of goes out. Many times where their, their walk with God becomes boring, mundane, or they don't feel like God's close anymore. I want to challenge you with the, this thought. Your love for the Lord should be more now than it was when you were first saved. I'm going to say it again. Your love for God should be more now than when you first got saved. Why? Because you have seen more. God has done more for you than he did when he first saved your soul. We shouldn't become bored with God's love, but rather we should take it to a new depth. Let me give an example. The love that I have for my wife when we were first married is different than the love that I have for her now. I feel like the love that I have for my wife now is deeper and richer than the love that I had when we were first married. Because the love that you have when you're first married in your early 20s is kind of fickle and a little bit shallow at times. Because if you asked me what I loved about her, I would say I I really love 
She's smart. She's intelligent. She's pretty. I love her eyes. I love the way that she looks. I love the way she takes care of herself. But as we've gone through life, for better, for worse, for richer and poorer, Lord God, help us through poorer, through sickness and in health, when we've been through that together, I have a new appreciation for my wife that's different than the love that I had for her at the beginning. That love was sometimes very surface. It wasn't insincere. It was just kind of fickle and shallow. But the love I have for her now is because of what we've been through, what we've gone through, how we've gone through difficulties and tribulations and hardship together and managed to stay together throughout all of that. Or the times we've trusted God together and seen God come through for us. It's those things that we reflect upon and go, you know, I love you now more so than ever because you've been with me through thick and thin and through no matter what, you've been there. And I appreciate that. I can genuinely say I love her now more than I did when I first married her. And I'm not just saying that for brownie points. It doesn't work with her anyway. So (laughs) she's just too smart for that. She really is. But you understand what I'm saying? As you walk with the Lord, Has he done more for you? Has he answered prayers? Has he come through for you? Have you seen miracles unfold? I would guess to say, even though you haven't seen every prayer answered, you might have seen one or two. And if one or two are you have in a lifetime, that's more than most people who don't know the Lord have. Have you been through difficulties? Have you been through trials? Have you come through the fire and through the valley of the shadow of death? and come through on the other side, I would say if you have, then God's worthy of your love. He's worthy of your praise. He's worthy of your adoration. (laughs) Yes, give the Lord a hand clap of praise for that. Your love should be more for God now than it was when you were first saved. And if you had asked me when we were first married if I could love her any more than I did at that moment, I would tell tell you no. But my love for her has increased over time. Our love for God should grow and increase over time. It should be ever increasing in measure. Time shouldn't diminish it, but increase it because everything you have been through and how God's brought you through it. As you recall all the ways he's been there for you, all the answers to prayer, all the kindness that he's shown you, learn to fall back in love with Jesus. Can I encourage you in that? Learn to fall back in love with Jesus. If you're feeling far from God, it's not him who's moved, it's you. I'll let that settle there for a minute. Because Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. So if he feels distant, it's not him who's moved. He's consistent. Remember, his love is unchanging, it's everlasting, from moment to moment the same. So whose loves change? And usually if you talk with someone, you'll find that there's something that happened in their life that changed their view of God, changed their view of prayer, changed their view of the church, and there's a distance and a friction there. But I will tell you this. Can I challenge you in this? Can I, can I draw you back to this, that no matter how long I've been serving the Lord, no matter how distant I feel, all it takes is just a little bit of time getting in a prayer closet alone with the Lord and Uh, opening your heart to him, being transparent before him, spending time in worship, spending time in prayer, spending time alone with him, and you will feel your soul start to rekindle. 
You will feel the embers start to grow again. You will feel that light start to ignite once more. It doesn't go away. It's just that you get distant from it. And the further you get from the flame, the more cold and distant it feels. Why is it difficult for us to love? Why is it so hard for us at times to love? I can tell you that probably when you were younger, it was easy to love. When you were a kid, it was easy to love. Just look at kids today. They go up on the playground, they make a new friend, immediately they're their best friend. They, love, they think they're the best thing ever. Just quickly make friends. And we don't do that as adults. We're very careful. We don't love as easily, or we don't express love as easily. Why is that? Because love can hurt. To love someone means that you are vulnerable. And maybe at one point in time in your life you did love and you were a loving person, but something happened. Someone betrayed you, broke your heart, uh, just completely violated your trust, and as a result, that love was broken. The pain became unbelievable and unbearable. And when your heart broke, something else broke inside you as well, your willingness to love. What are the signs of a broken kind of love in your life when when that's been broken and your capacity to love is gone? You can see it when you keep people at arm's length and you don't let them get close. You can see it when a person's perspective on everything is just jaded and sarcastic and cold because that's the voice of disappointment. I say that not to be judgy. It's my voice too at times because that's kind of a little bit of what I've been through too. But when you go through it, sometimes we change who we are because of what we've been through. And how messed up is that when you think about it? Somebody else messed us up, and so now we're messed up. It wasn't us who was the problem. Do you remember? There's nothing, hear me when I said, there was nothing wrong with the way that you loved people. It was just wrong in the, who you choose or chose to give it to. That was the person that messed up, not you. So why did you need to change? Why did you need to change your love? Why did you need to change the way that you were to do that? And part of the reason for that is because we want to be safe. We want to be protected. So to make sure we never get hurt again, we build up walls. And walls are good to keep oneself safe. But the other problem is with walls is that if you don't have an opening or a way out, you can be trapped behind those walls. So you say, okay, I don't want my heart broken again. I don't want, I don't want to be betrayed again. I don't want to, to, to love God again or love a church again and have that disappointment happen. Listen, I'm just going to get it out of the way right now. I will inevitably some way disappoint you. I'm sorry. It's just that way. Because I'm human. Because I'm flawed. I'm not talking about an outright sin that disappoints you kind of thing. But there's times you'll have expectations of me that I won't meet up to. And I'll disappoint you. There'll be times I may hurt you and I don't want to hurt you. I don't intentionally hurt you. But there's times where people are hurt and they're broken. They say, well, I'll never let that part into my life again. And we build up the walls. And when we build up the walls, we end up becoming isolated. We build a wall on every side so that we're nice and safe. But guess what? We're by ourselves. 
and it's a lonely place. And then we'll complain about being lonely. And we'll complain about being isolated. And we'll complain that no one cares about us, no one reaches out to us. When meanwhile, we're like, stay away. Don't come near. Don't get to know the real me, because if you get to know the real me, you might actually have access to me, and you might actually be able to hurt me. But then we're like, well, why doesn't anybody want to be around me? Why doesn't anybody want to hang out with me? Why doesn't anybody spend any time with me? Why doesn't anybody care about me? Why doesn't anybody love me? It's because you haven't let them. You hear what I'm saying? You haven't let them. So instead of building walls, can I encourage you to do something else? Build boundaries. Because boundaries are like guardrails on the highway. They keep you from going off a cliff. Boundaries can be changed and moved, and there's flexibility there. But walls cannot be. You trap yourself and you limit yourself from ever being able to experience love again. I want to encourage you today to leave room for God's love to tear down those walls in your life. Because, yes, you are protecting yourself from being hurt, but you're missing out on so much. You are missing out on so much. The joys of friendship, the joys of community, the joys of genuine love in a relationship, the joys of experiencing God's love to its full measure. You're missing out on that. Yes, you're safe, but you're also alone. Can I encourage you in that? You may be concerned about being vulnerable, but look how vulnerable God's love was in the Christmas story. Take a look at Luke 2, verses 11 and 12. This thought really struck me as I was preparing for Sunday. Verses 11 and 12, it says, For there is born to you this day in the city of David a Savior, who is the Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign to you. You'll find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. I want you to think about this. God's ultimate expression of love, Jesus, was born as a little baby. Wrapped in clothes, cloths, and lying in a manger. Is there anything more helpless or vulnerable than a newborn baby? A baby can't hurt anyone. It needs to be cared for, fed, changed, and held. It cannot survive on its own. It is vulnerable to the cold, to wild animals, and to harm. And Jesus came in the most non-threatening, vulnerable way to show his love to us. Think of all the ways Jesus could have appeared in this world. He could have appeared as a full-grown man, wise and with prophecy and full of the spirit and miraculous signs, but he chose not to do that. He says, I'm going to appear as a newborn baby child. And he made himself vulnerable to show us God's love for us. To love is to be vulnerable, and sometimes it's received, and other times it's not. When you love people, sometimes they'll receive it, and sometimes they won't. But I want you to think about how Jesus came. Jesus, this little tiny baby, in swaddling clothes, in a manger, just just waiting there, having to be taken care of. That's vulnerability. When we think about our hearts and and our nature, we're saying, okay, to love means to be vulnerable. God made himself vulnerable so that we would know who he is. He made it possible for us to know who he is. Jesus loved. He loved extravagantly. He loved unconditionally. He expressed his love to many. But even as great as his love was, even as flawless as his love was, even as as genuine as his love was, guess what? 
people rejected his love too. Matthew 23, verse 37. Jesus is riding on, the, on his way to the triumphal entry of Jerusalem. And he says these words. He sees the city as he's coming down the road. He says, oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, the one who kills the prophets and stones those who are sent to her. How I have often wanted to gather your children together as a hen gathered her chicks under her wings, but you were not willing. Jesus is weeping over Jerusalem. Like, there's just so many that still need to know. There's so many. I wish you could understand how much I love you. And yet, they were not willing to be loved. Three years of ministry to his own people, and there's still many that didn't believe in him. Still many who did not accept his love. And Jesus wept over this rejection. And he knew it was coming, and he wept over Jerusalem. But just because people didn't love him, it didn't mean that he stopped his mission. I want you to understand this. Jesus is riding on the triumphal entry. He's riding on a donkey. He's on his way to Jerusalem. In the matter of just literally a few days, he would be crucified. He'd be subject to scorn, ridicule, a mock trial, beatings, and crucifixion and humiliation. There was not a moment where Jesus said, you know what? You don't accept my love, so I'm not doing this. He didn't get off the donkey. He didn't say, change of plans, we're doing it a different way. We're taking it by force. He didn't say, those people don't deserve my love. His love drew him to the cross. His love kept him going to the cross in spite of the pain that he felt over their rejection. That's love. That's devotion. That's the love that he has for you, that he died not only for those who didn't love him, he died for us as well. He died for the Roman soldiers that were putting him on the cross. That's incredible to think about that kind of love. Jesus went through it all, died on the cross for all, for every lost person. So today, I want to encourage you to receive God's love this morning. This is the call to us today. And I don't know where you are. I don't know what you've been through. Sometimes we've been through good, and sometimes we've been through bad. Sometimes you could say, you know what, I'm a loving person, but sometimes we only love the people we like. And Jesus taught us to love differently, didn't he? He said to love your neighbor and love your enemies too. The love of God requires us to love people that we don't like. It's easy for us to love people we like. And it's easy for us to keep people at arm's length. But I just want you to know today that to love God means that you're vulnerable to him. It means that you expose and you show your heartbreak. You expose and you show what you've been through. You show him your scars. You show him your difficulty. And you bring it before him. And, and yes, there's a moment of trepidation. Yes, there's a moment where you're kind of unsure about it because you're not sure if he's going to be like the others. Can I encourage you today? He's not like the others. He's not like the people that have let you down in your life. He's not like the people that have disappointed you. He's not like the people that loved you and then left you. He's not like a person that promised good things to you and then didn't follow through. The love that he has for you is genuine, sincere, complete, and full. And there's nothing else in this world like it. Every other love in this world might fail you, but the love of God will be unchanging. To the day that you breathe your last and you set foot in heaven, that love will not be diminished by one moment. 
It's not like that when you get there, he's like, okay, I'm surprised you made it. <laughs> right? No, his love is very much like, I loved you while you were down there. I loved you when you were going through it. I loved you when you're, you were left behind by your family and you were betrayed by others. I loved you when you went through your darkest time. I loved you through your chronic illness. I loved you when you felt like you wanted to commit suicide. I loved you then and I love you now. And how big will that embrace be? How wonderful will that moment be that you see your Savior face to face? How wonderful will that moment be that everything else that you worried about, that troubled you, that got you there to that point, everything that was a difficulty for you leading up to it, all that you've been through, you won't be thinking of that when you see him face to face. You won't be worried about that face to face. You won't be thinking about, did I lock the door? Is the oven still on? Do people like me? Do they not like me? It doesn't matter because when you're face to face with a power of love that is demonstrated in Christ, everything else just disappears. Everything else disappears. And how awesome it would be if you walked this life that way. You don't have to wait until you get to heaven to understand love that way. You don't have to wait till you get to heaven to have love like that in your heart and to be a person that loves that way. You don't have to wait. You just got to let Jesus do a healing work in your heart. Remember what we read in Romans 8. Sorry, Romans 5, verse 5. It says, His love is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Spirit. I told you before that you can't know God's love apart from the Holy Spirit making it alive to you. You can't operate in the fullness of God's love until you get a revelation of the fullness of his love. You've got to allow the Holy Spirit in to the vulnerable part of your heart to do that healing work so that whatever junk's residing in there right now is removed, and then the fullness of God's love and spirit dwells in that space. It fills in the space that's empty. It fills up the space that you're worried about having nothing there. It's his spirit that does it and changes us for the better. So our prayer should be this. Holy Spirit, help me to receive your love Oh, church, that you would receive his love today. Not just know that he loves you in a general sense like he loves everybody else, but that he really genuinely and truly loves the person that you are. He loves you as you are now, not a better version of yourself. Are you hearing me, church? We sometimes think God loves the better version of myself, but he doesn't love me right now. When I get better, then I'll fully know God's love. He wants you to know his love right now. The only way you get to be the better person is if you let the Spirit work in your heart right now. So Holy Spirit, first, help me to receive your love. Secondly, Holy Spirit, help me to be more loving. We're in the holiday season. It's a stressful time. All of us are in a hurry. May the Lord help us to be a more loving person to everyone we come in contact with. Neighbors, coworkers, even enemies. 
store clerks, restaurant workers, everyone, that they would see the love of God at work in us and expressed through us. Thirdly, Holy Spirit, help me to share your love with others. Not a nebulous kind of love, not a peace, love, and joy kind of thing where we talk about it like it's a greeting card, but that you would share the gospel with someone and share them. Yes, it's wonderful that you're celebrating Christmas, but did you know that Christmas is the Christ Mass? It's the honor of his birth that we celebrate. Did you know that he came and did that for you so that you could know the joy that God brings? May God help us to do that today. Church, as I'm sharing this with you today, in just a moment we're going to close in prayer. But I feel like in some people's hearts, there's, as we talked about those things, there's some things that God is working on you. Even as I'm talking to you, it might even make you somewhat uncomfortable as I'm talking about because you're saying, you know, that that's kind of where I'm at, and I wish you would just leave that alone. Pastor, you're getting too close to my comfort zone, and I've got to keep you at arm's length because if I let you get any closer, you might actually see what's going on. Can I challenge you today with the idea of, like, God's love is here. God loves you tremendously, extravagantly beyond you, what you could ask or even think of. But you need to be able to accept that love, and that love does a healing work in your heart so that you, in turn, can love others. You won't experience that until you let go and let God tear down the walls and barriers so that you can experience what genuine love is. So in a moment, I'm just going to pray and if you could say, you know what, I need, Jesus, I need your help to know what your love is. God, I need your help to love somebody, love others better. And God, I need to be able to have the courage to share love with someone and share the gospel with someone. If those things pertain to you, I want to encourage you that we're going to have some time for prayer at the end of service. Come forward and seek God, and we will pray with you. And you can pray with one another as well. Can I pray for you now? Let's trust God. Thank you, Jesus. We praise your name. Hallelujah. Precious God. God, we just want to take a moment right now and thank you for Jesus. Jesus, thank you for loving us more than we could ever love ourselves, more than our mother or our father, more than our spouse or even our children could love us. You love us more than them, and that doesn't even seem possible. But Lord, today I pray, demonstrate your love. Release your love in this place by your Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, make, help us to have a revelation of the fullness of your love, each person in this place, that they would experience your love to a greater de degree. Lord, I pray that you would tear down walls and barriers and, and things that we've put up to keep others out. God, I pray today instead, Lord, that you would just tear those walls down and help us to learn to love and to set boundaries that are safe for others. Lord, I pray that you do a work in us that only you can do by your spirit. Lord, help us to share your love, the love of the message of the cross, the greatest expression of love that anyone could have when one dies for another. 
Lord, you died for the sins of all mankind so that we might be saved. Help us to love our friends enough to tell them the truth. Give us courage. Give us the words, Holy Spirit, to say. And Lord, we'll be careful to show you the love that you deserve every day. Help, well, Lord, I pray for those that may even have allowed their love to grow cold or has allowed it to wane. Lord, help us to be drawn back to you and to let today be the day in which they turn their hearts back to you. Rekindle the flame. Lord, renew the excitement that they once had for you and help them to love you now more than they've ever loved you before. And we ask this all in the name of your precious son, Jesus Christ, we pray. Thank you for listening. We invite you to join us Sunday mornings to worship with us. We are located at 267 College Highway in Southwick, Massachusetts. For more information about Living Hope Church, visit us online at www.livinghopechurchag.org.